Hello and welcome to Alice is Everywhere, the world's only podcast devoted entirely to Alice in Wonderland and her creator, Lewis Carroll. My name is Heather and today is part two of the very important subject of Lewis Carroll's influence on the Beatles. In part one, if you have not listened yet, we concentrated on John Lennon's fandom of Lewis Carroll and how the Alice books directly inspired two of his most famous compositions, I Am the Walrus and Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. I predict you'll be hearing a lot of Lucy on classic rock radio presently, even more than usual, since that track is on the album Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which is having its 50th anniversary on June 1st, 2017. To much well-deserved hoopla. Today, we are going to discuss Lewis Carroll's connection to the Beatles, who aren't John Lennon, that is, Paul McCartney, George Harrison, and Ringo Starr. I say connection instead of influence because, as far as I know, the only one of those three that has actually verbalized that Lewis Carroll was an influence on him is Paul. In fact, why don't we start with Paul? As we explored at length last time, John Lennon's love of Lewis Carroll is well documented. He was quoted several times in his short life expressing just that in multiple interviews. While I was researching John and Lewis Carroll, I kept coming across sentences like, Paul's love of Lewis Carroll was also well known, or Paul McCartney was also influenced by Lewis Carroll, but I could never actually find any evidence of Paul saying so. Until I was tipped off to a passage in what serves as Paul McCartney's official biography, Many Years From Now by Barry Miles. In that book, Paul brings up Lewis Carroll when discussing the song, I'll Get You. And I quote the cute one. To me and John, though I can't really speak for him, words like imagine and picture were from Lewis Carroll. This idea of asking your listener to imagine, come with me if you will, enter please into my, picture yourself in a boat. It drew you in. It was a good little trick, that. Both of us loved Lewis Carroll and the Alice books and were fascinated by his surreal world, so this was a nice song to write. End quote. Now, I find that quote fascinating because this is a fairly early Beatles song. I'll Get You was the B-side of the single She Loves You in 1963. This is not psychedelic, experimental, drug-taking Beatles. This is cute little matching suits, mop-top Beatles, and I just think it's a good reminder that the connection between Alice in Wonderland and controlled substances, well, it's, it's completely in the bloodshot eyes of the beholder. The Alice image you most often see on tie-dyed t-shirts and the like is the hookah-smoking caterpillar sitting on a mushroom. Gray Slick paraphrased the caterpillar's words, one side makes you larger, one side makes you small, in the hit song White Rabbit. But let's not forget, magic mushrooms were not a thing in Victorian England. Except for cave paintings and maybe some anthropology journals, they were not a thing in the Western world until the 1950s. And as I've mentioned numerous times before... There is no evidence whatsoever that Lewis Carroll, also known as the Reverend Charles Dodson, ever took any recreational drugs. And when I say no evidence, it's not like, oh, there is plenty of suspicion, but no hard evidence. No, that's not it at all. There were no suspicions. Nothing. It should be a complete non-issue. And yet the average non-Carolian-obsessed human being seems to always link Alice in Wonderland and drugs in their non-Carolian-obsessed human brains. And I'm speaking from experience, because when I tell friends and acquaintances about the Alice's Everywhere website and podcast, I would estimate 85 to 90% of the time, the friend or acquaintance will proceed to tell me how Lewis Carroll was on drugs. My gosh, my own mother says that. And I can speak about her with impunity, because she hasn't figured out how to listen to my podcast yet. Back to I'll Get You. 
I was delighted to read that quote from Paul McCartney because it really just made me feel like, yes, one of us. Paul McCartney gets it. He is just as influenced by the wordplay and language of Lewis Carroll as he is by the supposed psychedelic imagery that he and John Lennon both mentioned when talking about Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. And hey, why don't we listen to I'll Get You so that we can hear how innocent and carefree and drug-free the influence of Lewis Carroll can be. It's only two minutes and four seconds long, so I think we've got the time. A Lennon-McCartney composition, written at Aunt Mimi's house on Men Love Avenue. This is John Lennon on lead vocals, acoustic guitar, and harmonica. Paul McCartney on lead vocals and bass. You heard me. Two lead vocalists. George Harrison on harmony vocals and guitar. And Ringo Starr on drums. Hand claps are courtesy of Paul, George, and Ringo. Maybe it was the same track when John's hands were busy with the harmonica. Recorded on July 1st, 1963, under the watchful eye of Sir George Martin, but apparently in a hurry, as you'll hear John mess up a line. This is I'll Get You. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Imagine I'm in love with you. It's easy cause I know. I've imagined I'm in love with you many, many, many times before. It's not like me to pretend, but I'll get you, I'll get you in the end. Yes, I will, I'll get you in the end. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I think about you night and day. I need you and it's true. When I think about you, I can say I'm never, 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 never blue. So I'm telling you, my friend, that I'll get you, I'll get you in the end. Yes, I will, I'll get you in the end. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Well, there's gonna be a time when I'm gonna change your mind. To me, oh yeah Imagine I'm in love with you It's easy cause I know I've imagined I'm in love with you Many, many, many times before It's not likely to pretend But I'll get you, I'll get you in the end Yes I will I'll get you in the end Oh yeah Oh yeah Oh yeah Oh yeah Oh yeah I came across a John Lennon quote about that song we just heard. Apparently, he said about I'll Get You, that was Paul and me trying to write a song, and it didn't work out. Well, I think it's good, John. And Paul does, too. He still plays it in concert now and then. There are a few other Lennon-McCartney songs that have been reported to have Lewis Carroll, Alice in Wonderland connections. I'm going to list them in rapid succession now because the connections seem tenuous at best. Some people believe that Cry Baby Cry from the White Album has a lot of Alice in Wonderland overtones. I don't really see it, or hear it, rather. A King, a Queen, and a Duchess are all mentioned in the lyrics. 
And Alice did cry quite a bit in the first book, enough to form a pool of tears. But the cry baby cry lyrics are much more reminiscent of that nursery rhyme about uh, blackbirds being baked into a pie than any of the nursery rhymes parodied in the Alice books. Love Me Do, the very first single by the Beatles, supposedly had the working lyrics, Alice Stop Daydreaming Do, which seems like a bit of a stretch, both syllabically. Is that how you said it? Syllabically? Both with syllables. And also, she wasn't daydreaming. After all, she was fast asleep when she visits Wonderland in Looking Glass Land. Spoiler alert. This last one I'm going to mention before we move on to George kind of blows my mind. I don't think there's any corroboration for this whatsoever, but some folks see a connection between Hey Jude and Chapter 5 of Through the Looking Glass, Wool and Water. That is, of course, the chapter that inspired Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. You'll recall the White Queen, she's a bit of a klutz, and she pricks her finger at some point in the chapter. Just before the Queen famously turns into a sheep, we get this exchange. Then I hope your finger is better now, Alice said very politely as she crossed the little brook after the Queen. Oh, much better, cried the Queen, her voice rising to a squeak as she went on. Much better, 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 bad! The last word ended in a long bleat, so like a sheep, that Alice quite started. I imagine most of you have deduced what I'm getting at here. <laughs> at the climax of Hey Jude, just before the na-na-na-na-na-na-na's we all know and love, what happens? Paul says, remember to let her under your skin, then you'll begin to make it better, 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 now, do I really think Paul had visions of white queens turning into sheep in his head when he wrote that legendary transition? I do not. But it does kind of blow my mind that the possibility never in my life occurred to me. Alice, the Beatles, these are my jams. And yet, it never occurred to me once, not until I researched these Beatle episodes of Alice's Everywhere. And I don't know who to attribute it to. I usually tell you when I get info from just one source, but I read this theory in four or five different sources. So I guess I'm the only Alice fan in the universe that this didn't occur to. Heather, stop daydreaming, do. On to George. I explored the possible relationship between George Harrison and Lewis Carroll way back in our sixth podcast episode, which was all about chapter six of Alice's Adventures in Wonderland entitled Pig and Pepper. I also elaborated on it in blog form with the rather bombastically titled The Secret Connection Between George Harrison and Cheshire Cat. That was my attempt at a clickbait headline. The world at large did not take that bait, if you're wondering. So to review, there is a very famous conversation between little Alice and Cheshire Cat that is also infamous for almost always being misquoted. That conversation goes a little something like this. Cheshire Puss, would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. I don't much care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go said the cat. So long as I get somewhere, Alice added as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat, if you only walk long enough. Alice felt that this could not be denied, so she tried another question. End quote. I'm not a fan of Lewis Carroll's words being misquoted, but one can certainly see how that convo is a little lengthy to be put on a t-shirt or wall plaque. So it's usually shortened slash misquoted as, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. I have seen this on t-shirts with the famous illustration of Alice gazing up at Cheshire Cat in the tree. I've seen it in Pinterest graphics on Instagram. I've seen it being sold as wall art on Amazon. 
which does not change the fact that Cheshire Cat never actually said, if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. But George Harrison did. If you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there are lyrics from the song Any Road, written and recorded by George Harrison. Any Road appeared on George's final album, Brainwashed, in 2002. Those of you who are sticklers for mortality will note that George unfortunately died in 2001. There is an explanation for this. George was at work on the album while he fought his battle with cancer. His lookalike son Danny and pal Jeff Lynne completed the album per his instructions after his death. And we should probably listen to Any Road, shouldn't we? Solo George Harrison recording sessions do not have the mountains of documentation that Beatles recording sessions do, so I cannot tell you on exactly which date the song was recorded. I can tell you the song was written years before it was finally recorded. It was written back in 1988. It was performed live by George alone in 1997 on a VH1 special in which Ravi Shankar and George were being interviewed by John Fuglesang. This album recording features George Harrison on vocals, slide guitar, acoustic guitar, and banjolele. I did not know banjolele was a word or a thing, but I think Lewis Carroll would appreciate the portmanteau. Jeff Lynne is on bass, piano, and backing vocals. Danny Harrison on guitar and backing vocals. And the revered Jim Keltner is on drums. Without further ado, this is Any Road. Give me that plenty of that guitar. Well, I've been traveling on a boat and a plane in a car on a bike with a bus and a train. Traveling there, traveling here, everywhere, in every given. The price with the spin of a wheel with the roll of the dice. Ah, yeah, you pay a fare, and if you don't know where you're going, any road will take you there. And I've been traveling through the dirt and the grime, from the past to the future, through the space and the time, traveling deep beneath the waves, in watery grottoes and mountainous caves. But Ah, Lord, we got to fight With the thoughts in the head With the dark and the light No use to stop and stare If you don't know where you're going Any road will take you there Teeth by the breath of a hair Traveling where the four winds blow With the sun on my face In the ice and the snow But ooh it's a game Sometimes you're cool Sometimes you're lame Ah oh, yeah, it's somewhere If you don't know where you're going Any road will take you there With the spin of the wheel, with the roll of the dice Ah yeah, you pay your 
affair If you don't know where you're going Any road will take you there There is no size Ah yeah, you just don't win It's so far out, the way out is in Bow to God and call him sir But if you don't know where you're going Any road will take you there And if you don't know where you're going Any road will take you there If you don't know where you're going catchy song, isn't it? Besides Any Road, George Harrison has one other link to Lewis Carroll that I know of, and I never hear this talked about, but he was involved in a production of a musical version of The Hunting of the Snark in the late 1980s. And I'm being vague, saying late 80s on purpose, because specific information on this semi-staged musical slash album is kind of hard to come by, which is weird, because this was the 1980s, not the 1880s. Some history... The Hunting of the Snark is a nonsense poem written by Lewis Carroll. It was published in 1876, which was five years after Through the Looking Glass and 11 years after Alice's Adventures in Wonderland was published. The origin story of Hunting of the Snark is that Lewis Carroll was out for a contemplative walk one morning, and out of the blue the line came to him, for the snark was a boojum, you see. And from that one line, the agony in eight fits Hunting of the Snark was born. Oh, and by the way, once again, spoiler alert, because the snark was a boojum, you see, turned out to be the very last line of the poem. This musical production of The Hunting of the Snark was the brainchild of Mike Batt, who is probably a familiar name to my British listeners, but not so much here in the U.S. His big claim to fame is a children's show called The Wombles, but he is also a very accomplished musician, composer, conductor, and he decided to make a musical out of a nonsense poem. This musical went through several iterations, as musicals often do. From what I can glean, George Harrison was only involved in the early stages, at one concert and also a recording. Get this, George only plays the guitar. He doesn't sing. How you have George Harrison involved in a musical and not convince him to sing, I have no idea. This Mike Batfellow must be very well-respected indeed and or have friends in high places, because listen to who did sing on this 1986 version of The Hunting of the Snark. Roger Daltrey as the barrister, Art Garfunkel as the butcher, Julian Lennon as the baker, Cliff Richard as the bellman, Mike Bat himself as the boots, Captain Sensible as the billiard marker, Denise Let's Hear It for the Boy Williams as the beaver, and it was narrated by Sir John Gilgood and John Hurt. Wow, I'm going to go ahead and not play any of The Hunting of the Snark for you, 
Not because it's bad, it's actually pretty freaking great. But I'm unclear which recording is on YouTube and how often George Harrison is indeed playing guitar in the tracks. There's one slide guitar bit that is quite obviously him, but other parts I'm not so sure. But I highly recommend you go check it out on YouTube. It's really fun. It's also available on Amazon in CD form, as some version of the musical was re-released on CD in 2010, I believe. Well, I guess that's it. Thanks for joining us for part two of our All Beatles episodes of Alice is Everywhere. Nothing else to say. Totally mind that subject. I kid, of course. I didn't forget about Ringo. Who could forget about Ringo? Now, even the most creative of minds would be hard-pressed to find any real association between Lewis Carroll and Ringo Starr's creative output. There are no quotes from Ringo on Lewis Carroll or Alice in Wonderland that I could find. Ringo's third solo album has a Sgt. Pepper-esque cover with all kinds of folks crammed in there, including Humpty Dumpty. But there's no evidence that old Humpty Hump was placed there on Ringo's insistence. Lucky for us. And really, I mean lucky for me, as I'm obviously grabbing at just about anything to connect Lewis Carroll and the Beatles, Ringo is the only Beatle to actually portray a character created by Lewis Carroll. I am, of course, speaking of Ringo's dramatic turn as the Mock Turtle in the 1985 CBS TV movie, which was aired in two parts, One Night in Wonderland, The Next Night Through the Looking Glass. This version of Alice is roundly panned by anyone with any taste, really, but that does not include me. Anyone who has had a glance at the many animal prints in my wardrobe knows that I have almost no taste whatsoever. And I have loved the 1985 TV movie of Alice ever since I nearly wore out my VHS tape on which it was recorded back in 1985. If you have not been fortunate enough to see this production, it stars a cavalcade of 1980s TV stars, stage legends, and maybe a few has-beens. A small sampling, Sammy Davis Jr. as a caterpillar, Martha Ray as the Duchess, Sherman Hemsley, Mr. Jefferson as the mouse, Telly Sabalis as Cheshire Cat, Steve Lawrence and Edie Gourmet as Tweedledum and Tweedledee. Carol Channing as the White Queen. I could go on and on. Alice herself was played by a little girl named Natalie Gregory. She was only eight years old, so she was almost exactly age-appropriate, which is unusual for stage and screen productions of Alice in Wonderland. Little Natalie followed in the footsteps of many an Alice throughout history in that she wasn't very good and never really went on to do much of anything else. And my God, the wig they put on that poor girl. Back to Ringo and his Emmy-worthy performance as the Mock Turtle. If you'll recall, in the book Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, it seems like we're on a bit of a journey throughout the story. It seems like Alice is passing through trials and tribulations in order to get to a beautiful garden. Except when she actually gets to the garden, the garden isn't very pleasant. And not too terribly long after Alice finally gets there, the Queen of Hearts says to her, Hey, have you met the Mock Turtle yet? Go with the Griffin. Go hear the Mock Turtle story. And then Alice goes to see the Mock Turtle. For two chapters. The book effectively grinds to a halt. And why shouldn't it? As it's nonsense literature, so why would the garden be the end goal after all? In the book, the Mock Turtle sings two songs to Alice. The first is the lobster quadrille with its mournful refrain, Will you, won't you, will you, won't you, will you join the dance? The second song is called Beautiful Soup and is even more depressing. Ringo sings neither of these songs. Instead, he favors us with a little ditty entitled Nonsense. And I think you know. I'm going to play it for you now. Picture, if you will, Richard Starkey, a.k.a. Ringo Starr, 
outfitted in nude pantyhose, a hard tortoise shell, and fuzzy slippers. That long musical interlude in the middle features a lot of Ringo dancing, and let me tell you, the choreography, on point. His counterpart, the Griffin, is played by Sid Caesar, you know, the coach in Greece, but I don't think he uh, actually says anything in this clip. From 1985, please enjoy Ringo Starr as the Mock Turtle, singing nonsense. Please tell me, young lady, just what is so good About never once being misunderstood There's far too much accurate communication And if it continues, I fear for the nation Nonsense, nonsense, that's what we're terribly short of. Don't you love nonsense? I'm not really sure, we're sort of. We're getting lethargic from aiming good logic. Let's put a stop to that. If you don't love nonsense, I'll knock off your hat. Nonsense, simply can't do without it Burn incense to nonsense and sing us a song about it Let young Master Billy be hopelessly silly until he is blue in the face We must never be grave, tis nonsense will save the blooming human race Can't do without it Burn incense to nonsense And sing us a song about it Let young Master Billy be hopelessly silly Until he is blue in the face We must never be grave Tis nonsense will save of Alice's Everywhere was brought to you by Coupon Puppet. If you're planning on visiting Las Vegas, visit couponpuppet.com first for great deals on hotels, attractions, and shows. They are featuring a particularly sick deal on four packs of tickets to the Cirque du Soleil Beatles show Love, Targeted Marketing. Guys, we featured several really great songs in this two-part Beatles and Alice in Wonderland extravaganza. And now we end with nonsense. Beetle fans who just happened to drop by, thank you for listening. I hope you learned a little something about our friend Lewis Carroll. If you'd like to learn more, head on back to the earlier episodes. We read and discuss Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, starting in Episode 1, and Through the Looking Glass starts around Episode 15. 
And of course, thank you to my regular Alice's Everywhere listeners. I'm hoping these two episodes had enough Alice info to hold your interest. I feel like there's a lot of crossover between Lewis Carroll and Beatle fans. Rest assured, we will be back to non-Beatle pursuits next time when I read you a very rare find, a tribute to Lewis Carroll written just after his death by one of his former child friends, Beatrice Hatch. Awesome! Until then, picture yourself in a boat on a river. Talk soon!